I love that song. I love the version that Sarah Evans does. I just wish I could sing like she does. <laughs> now in my car, yeah, I sound great in my car because nobody's listening. Now the person beside me is probably thinking, I need to call 911. They look, she looks like she's having a stroke. But in my car, y'all, it is game on. So we've arrived at the Advent season. The last season, um, we heard about how God sent out the ultimate save the date invitation to the old serpent in all of creation by saying hope was going to come into the world as seed of mankind. So this week we're looking at the second message of Advent, which is love. And we've lit both the candles, the first of hope and second of love, because in a dark world, let's confess there's much trauma. We see trauma everywhere we turn. And I'll be honest, I've got many friends that are first responders, and I think if they sat down and told us how much trauma they see, not that they are necessarily experienced, but it's secondhand trauma they do see. I don't know about you, but I know that I couldn't, I couldn't serve as a first responder. I just couldn't do it. My heart would just hurt so much. But you know, first thing we've got to remember is we find hope in our situations before we can accept love into our lives. And secondly, as humans, we can only love as much as we've learned to love. I say that all the time in the recovery ministry when somebody comes in and says, well, I don't know why they act like that. Well, first of all, they can only give how they've learned to give, regardless of what it is. So today we're going to talk about how we are loved, but we're going to take the route of going through Deuteronomy. So Deuteronomy 18.1 is today's scripture, and it says, the, Le uh, the Levitical priest, all the tribes of Levi, shall have no portion or inheritance with Israel. They shall eat the Lord's food offering by fire to the Lord as their inheritance. This is the word of God for people of God. Thanks be to God. Before we dive in, let's lift our hearts to the Lord in prayer. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, in this season that should bring hope, love, joy, peace, and, and all the other abundance of blessings that flow from you, many of us struggle. We struggle with heavy burdens of life. Lord, we feel that the weight of those burdens are going to crush us. But God, in those moments where we feel the weight, we ask that give us the ears to hear your voice. As you whisper to us, do not be afraid, for I'm with you. And Lord, we confess that our hearts are often filled with worldly tasks, and our minds are running down through checklists to keep us busy, but God, help us stop and find rest in you so that we can be still and know that you are still in control. God, we ask all things in the holy name of your risen Son, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. So as we examine Deuteronomy... Deuteronomy has multiple covenants within it, but we're going to look at the covenant of love. So many New Testament scriptures actually quote from Deuteronomy. When Jesus was asked, which of these commandments are first of all, he responded by quoting Deuteronomy. He said, the first of all the commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. 
and you shall love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, all your strength. And this is the first commandment. So while this is probably the most well-known, besides Jesus' web, this is probably the most well-known cited scripture, many of our New Testament scriptures look back to Deuteronomy. In fact, the only New Testament scriptures that are cited more are Psalms, Isaiah, and Exodus. But the New Testament contains more than 80 references to Deuteronomy. You could spend a whole summer in a, in a series on just Deuteronomy and all the covenants. But Deuteronomy is a testament to the, to the love of God when God's dealing with mankind. So in his first epistle, John wrote, and this is 1 John uh, 4.19, he said, we love him because he first loved us. See, so many times as I go back and tell people we can only love as much as we have learned to love. There's so many people out there that do not know how extensive they are loved by our Lord and our Savior. But in his sermon to his disciples, Christ said, If you love me, keep my commandments. Gosh, church, that's the first place we need to stop. Are we keeping the commandments? Are we truly loving God with all of our mind, our heart, our soul, our body, our strength? Are we loving him with everything we have? No book in the Old Testament better reflects the spirit of these verses than Deuteronomy. God demonstrates his love towards the Israelites by telling them, I chose you, I liberated you from bondage. And he reveals himself to them at Sinai. He nurtures them in the wilderness and takes them to the promised land. The Israelites, as the children of God, received the blessings. But they were expected to return his love in the same Thinking of that, they can only love how they've learned to love. They've been in bondage. They've been in slavery. They did not return to the extent that God was blessing them. So when you look at the words love in Hebrew and reverence in Hebrew, they translate into fear. I can't tell you how many conversations I've been in with someone that says, well, it says you're supposed to fear God. I don't want to tremble. I don't want somebody just standing over me making me fearful. And I remember that all too often we, we put today's meaning of a word on scripture and we don't research it and we throw it around as our own motive. But to fear is actually to love, to respect. And I, when I was teaching my son when he was growing up, I said to fear is I fear the day I might let my dad down. It's that level of respect. I fear the day I disappoint someone I truly love. It's that level of respect. Looking at Deuteronomy 10, 12, Moses defines that relationship in this way. So Deuteronomy 10, 12, he says, And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, walk in all of his ways, to love him, to serve him, with all your heart and all your soul. Well, there's our second pit stop. Do we walk in all of his ways? Seems simple. That's probably one of the hardest tasks that we have. 
Because our flesh says, hold on, let's, let's take a little detour. And the Holy Spirit's like, path is narrow. Let's come back to the path. But the words of the greatest commandment that Jesus cited was from Deuteronomy. And it's so important because he says, teach your children. Be diligent in teaching the word to your children. Talk with them when you're sitting with them, when you're walking with them, when you lay down and when you rise up. We're to have the words on our heart. But Deuteronomy also reflects a pattern for future prophets that would follow and also foreshadow the coming of that prophet. You see, according to Deuteronomy 18.15, Moses, who was considered one of the greatest prophets of Israel, told the Israelites that the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me among you from your brothers. It is to him you should listen. See, the Jews were still looking for that prophet. But when John the Baptist was asked whether he was the Messiah, he responded, no. He went on further to say, they said, then what? Are you Elijah? He said, no. And then they said, are you that prophet? And he said, no. If we jump to Acts 3, Starting in verse 22. Now in this discourse at the temple, following the day of Pentecost, Peter identified that prophet as Jesus Christ. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to the prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have said from Samuel to those who come after him also proclaim these days. You are the son of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, says Abraham. And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Now, a little bit of history for the book of Deuteronomy. So, there's so many covenants in this book. The setting is they're just east side of the Jordan River. And this is the second generation of Israelites who had actually came out of Egypt. And they were about to enter the promised land. And see, this is how I know that God is anointing the messages here. Because Miss Wanda and I do not talk about our messages. But God's given us such similar messages. But even years of experience in the wilderness was needed to train those of this covenant. I've actually heard some say that wandering in the wilderness was kind of like a blessing for the Israelites because they had to depend on God, but they also had time for God to prune their slave mentality or their slave value before walking in the promised land. How many of us sitting right here today or how many listening say, I believe in Jesus Christ, but we walk around with the same slave mentality and value of feeling unworthy of Christ's love, even though Christ went to the cross for us. 
How many? And I'll be honest, when I served in the jail ministry, I met so many people that were sitting behind bars that were truly more free than some I've met sitting in pews. That they were looking at life sentences, but they praised God knowing they would never see the light of day outside of behind those bars. But they were going to live every day praising his name because one day they would not be behind bars and they would be set free. Now the strength of Deuteronomy is to, is to exalt, to obey out of love and rev reverence everything that God has done for us. God chose the Israelites to be his people, to free them from slavery, to bring them out of Egypt, to make them a nation. Church, the body of Christ is a kingdom nation. We might sit in different churches on Sunday. Some of us might not worship at the same times, but we are together a kingdom nation. So Deuteronomy 4, we're going to look at verse 6 and 7. Deuteronomy 4 says, Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the people who, when they hear... All these statutes will say, surely this is a great nation of wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? Church, are we being a kingdom nation? Are we walking in wisdom and understanding that's his and not ours? But in Deuteronomy, however, God commands Moses to write a song recalling the relationship that God had with his people. And Moses was to teach the children of Israel to put the words in their mouth and the song on their heart to witness what God has done. The Israelites did recite the song, but many failed to heed the message. And by failing to heed the message, they would do so to their own condemnation. Since reciting the song was part of their willingness to keep with God's commandment. What it's saying is we need to learn scripture, not memorize it. We need to learn it. We need to study it. We need to apply it to our hearts. We need to apply it to our walk. We need to apply it to everything we do. Because if we're not, it's the same thing as us taking one scripture and throwing it at somebody. But our walk does not match our talk. And I will be honest, as a female pastor, I have scripture thrown at me all the time. But I also point to another scripture where Paul tells, tells uh, Timothy to bring his cloak the next time. So if we're going to be Christians and we're just going to pick and choose scripture, do we just need to carry a cloak around to the next time we see Paul? Does that make us good Christians? No, we can't pick and choose scripture. We need to study it, learn it, and we need to live it. So from the time that the children of Israel had become people, their need for unity had never been greater. They stood just east of the promised land, ready to enter it, ready to inherit it, by force if necessary, 
but there was no really way to force them into unity. The success of this covenant in Deuteronomy is reflected in the Israelites' solidarity and the strength in which they bring to possess the promised land. Iron sharpens iron, and our strength to possess the promised land is living scripture and being obedient to God's will. So what makes Deuteronomy important to us? First, it teaches us the central importance of obedience through love, a principle that is so much more of a part of, of our covenant with God. It teaches us the significance of making the covenant in our own lives with each other also to bring unity. And finally, while reflecting on the greatness of Moses as the prophet, Deuteronomy still points to Christ as that prophet, the Messiah, who will fulfill all things. So my question this morning, are we truly listening to the Holy Spirit? Are we truly listening and following the Holy Spirit? Or are we giving him just an area of our life? It's kind of like lighting that candle. I give you this space. But God, I don't want you to move out of that space. I don't want you talking to me about anything else I got going on. Let's lift our hearts to the Lord in prayer. God of hope and love, we seek you today more than ever. God, help us as a kingdom nation to be in unity and heal our wounds. Lord, during this Advent season, help us to see all things around us. And Lord, we ask that you point out the distractions that the old serpent's trying to, to use against us. Lord, send your angels to guide us, to minister to us, to help us stay in unity. Give us wisdom, clarity, and discernment of your word. Lord, help us to stay on the path, the path of light that you've ordained for each one of us. Lord, we ask all things in the precious and holy name of your Son. Amen.